Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about the books that we're reading. And today we're going to share some books we're excited about for the fall. This is something we do every three months. <laughs> yes, every season. Every season. <laughs> I can do math. It's late here. Anyway, this is something we do every three months for this upcoming season. We talk about what new releases we're excited to read, um, give a little overview of that. But first, Anne, do you want to fill our listeners in a little bit on what's been going on with you since we last recorded? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we talked about when we decided to do the podcast again was that we kind of wanted to be more open about our actual lives a little bit and um, and and just kind of let people in a little bit more than we did as when this was an official product of Beaufort County Library so and so that so I think it's kind of fun to talk about that so um, in the last episode then I said that I was working in Tennessee and I didn't say where I was working because I felt kind of uncomfortable about it for some reason, but I got permission to say where I work. So I figured I don't have to be secretive. I work for Ingram Content Group. And if you are a library uh, customer, then probably about half of you are Ingram customers. And so if you are someone who does anything on the website with like hits or any of the different um, diversity lists, I'm trying to think of anything else I do that would be like a free service kind of thing but basically all the all the things that help librarians find books are the things that I help to to produce for Ingram so it's really really fun and it's a great place to work so I'm really happy to be able to talk about it here yeah that's so great yeah um and then also last time I talked I uh on the podcast I said that I had a hamster that I loved and his name was Richard and unfortunately he died in the last two weeks so it's been kind of a hard couple of weeks it was not completely a shock, but also not expected either. So he lived his full two years, which is unfortunately the lifespan of a hamster. But he was my little buddy. He was he was my like my little companion. And it's yeah. kind of hard to explain for people that kind of think of hamsters as something that you have as a kid and that you that's pretty hands off as a pet. For me, that wasn't the case. He was he was like my the one thing that I knew in Tennessee when I moved mm-hmm. here, and so. He is very, very missed, and I'll maybe post a picture of him somewhere where people can see how cute he was. So yeah, I loved him a lot. Awesome. I'm sorry. That's yeah. so hard. Losing a pet is so hard. Yeah, no matter what, they're yeah. loved. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're just such a huge part of your life. I mean, so this little being that's there every single day. And yeah. I mean, I know with my dog, I talk to him constantly. and I didn't realize how much I talked yeah. to Richard. Yeah. I, I just thought he was there, and then... As soon as I as he was gone, I realized how much I checked in with him all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so now I instead of saying goodbye, Richard, I've started saying goodbye, Ghost Richard, as I leave oh, the house. Gosh. So <laughs> that's very you. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm Thank I mean, you. I've already expressed that elsewhere, but yeah, you know, I know. I'm I sorry. know you. If anyone understands, it, it would be you because yeah. you are yeah. such a, a animal lover. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about what's going on with you. Well, speaking of an animal lover, <laughs> we adopted a dog today. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like officially, so, officially? Officially adopted. <gasps> it was right before we started recording. So my boyfriend and I are in Hilton Head right now, uh, actually, where I used to live, visiting my parents and Jeremy. My boyfriend is doing a golf school kind of thing with a friend of his. And we have a foster dog that we just got last week. 
who we brought with us. And as we have been here, he is just the sweetest, cutest little darling dog. And we've been talking for a few months about maybe getting a dog when the timing was right. And I have I have a dog who I've had for three years, Tucker, who is awesome. And we've talked, I think we talked about him last time. But so we had sort of an, or I had sort of an idea in my head of what dog would be the best. As I mentioned in the last episode, I've been fostering since I moved to North Carolina. And there just seem to be certain dogs that get along better with Tucker um, mm-hmm. or Tucker gets along better with them or it's easier to have them in the house. So I was actually thinking a female dog. So I won't go into all the details, but there was actually a different dog that I was thinking might be a possibility, but she just had puppies. So it was actually the mom or the puppies I was thinking of because they're all females. So it would be like about two more months before they'd be available. And we agreed to foster the father. And I was thinking, and he's a cute little sort of terrier mix. He's sort of got these long, long legs and these big ears and he's just goofy looking. But I was like, yeah, we'll take the dad and until he can get adopted. And then in a couple of months, we'll see if any of these other dogs are a good fit for us. And we got this dog, and he just immediately loved Jeremy. I mean, they just – it was so immediate. And then as we've had him here, we – he it's just really obvious. He's this really great dog. He listens yeah. really well. He was actually living outside his whole life. Oh, He's my about gosh. two and a half, we think. And you would never know it. Like he is, he is such a good dog. He is so affectionate and is doing really well with house training and things. And he listens really well. And so it just, we were talking about it the other day. It was like, should we be keeping this dog? You know, yeah. is this a dog we really want to pass up? So we are officially what is called a foster fail. We are failing at the job <laughs> of fostering. And right before we started recording, we made it official that he is going to be our dog. So he was, I, I liked naming all of my foster dogs after food. Uh, yeah. So he was Alfredo, but I, I didn't love that for a permanent name for a dog I'm going to have for many, many years. Yeah. So he is now Brimley. Oh. Um, so he we just named, we just decided that today. So it's very exciting. So that's what's going on with me. I'm enjoying being back in Hilton Head. It's always fun to come back. And, you know, I lived here for 12 years before I moved to North Carolina. So it's fun to be back and see some, some people and do some fun things. So yeah. that's me. That's my life right now. Post here for post um, hurricane, right? Yeah, we were supposed to be. Yeah, I was supposed to be here last week. Actually, our trip was scheduled for last week and it got postponed because yeah. of the hurricane. So, and I mean, this week is gorgeous. The weather is beautiful. Luckily, the hurricane totally missed this area for the most part. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they did have they did have a few trees down and some power outages and stuff, but it wasn't the disaster that it could have been. So, yeah. we're here for a few more days and just enjoying having a little bit of relaxation and. And that sort of thing. Nice. Yeah. So do you want to go ahead and get to it? Sure. Start talking about the books we're excited about. Give the people what they want. Exactly. And I noticed you put a note about the book that neither of us included because it's such an obvious book that we're looking forward to. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think either of us could have said that the Testaments is the book of the fall slash year. Um, Mm -hmm. So it seemed kind of silly to not mention it in a fall book preview, but neither of us are going to actually talk about it. Right, right. So just, yeah, that's kind of an understood one, I think. In fact, a a girl I work with texted me today because I get these books as part of the awards committee that I mentioned last time. I get books sent to the office and she texted me today to say I have a pile of boxes on my desk and it's driving her crazy because she wants to know if the Testaments is in one of them. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right, what's the first book you're looking forward to? So this actually uh, came out last week, so I'm cheating a little bit. We're recording this on the 10th, and this came out on the 3rd, but I thought it was okay because it's not one that I think is is 
terribly well known. And so, mm-hmm. and we also had kind of planned on doing our book preview earlier mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't work out. And so I figured no one's going to fire me for this. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I can do what I want. <laughs> Do that. So uh, my first book is The Glass Woman by Caroline, Caroline Lee, and it is set in 1686, where a young woman named Rosa lives with her family on a remote or in a remote village in Iceland, and she lives something of a double life mentally. So outwardly, she's a Christian, but inside she's praying to the old Icelandic gods. And her father dies and her mother becomes ill, and so she decides to marry a trader named Jan, who promises her, her security but there are some unsettling rumors about the death of his first wife. And so she um, decides anyway to marry him, but as she becomes acclimated to her new life, she realizes that Jan didn't consider her or doesn't consider her a partner at all, but he expects her to perform all the, the typical duties of a Christian wife, even as he basically ignores her and attempts to isolate her from the other villagers. So she begins to hear strange noises from the, inside the attic, and she turns to other women in the village to learn the truth about Jan and his first wife, Anna. I heard this described as the Icelandic Jane Eyre, which, Ooh. yes, please. <laughs> and it also sounds like Icelandic Rebecca. So I am double very into this. So that is The Glass Woman by Caroline Lee. That was awesome. So I actually uh, did the exact same thing and chose a book that came out last week. <laughs> so we're, we're cheating together. We're both Yay. going to be fired together. This actually would might be a book that some people have heard about because it was selected as a Reese Witherspoon book club pick, I think. You know how she does that on Instagram? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's The Secrets We Kept by Lara Prescott. Uh, like I said, it came out September 3rd. It is a book that was that is inspired by real events. And I love those sorts of books, the historical fiction where it takes something true, but then puts a little fictional spin on it. And this was, this is about the cold war, which is a time that I don't feel like I read that much of um, with the historical fiction that I read. And it's about how the CIA helped to disseminate copies of Dr. Zhivago in Russia because it was a banned book there. They were trying to win the Cold War in one aspect by sort of changing the hearts and minds of people pretty much. So trying to share ideas and things about a more democratic way of life or, you know, that would sort of cause maybe revolutionary feelings among the Russians, but in this way by by spreading literature. And it's about two women from a typing pool in the CIA who are tasked with physically going to Russia and putting the book in the hands of Russians and then also enticing Russian men to give up their secrets. And then it's also about Boris Pasternak's wife, uh, who I don't have her name right in front of me. I think it might be Olga. So something about her. And so it's all about like the publication of Dr. Zhivago because it was published by a a non-Russian, obviously, publisher and and translated. And so I don't know. I feel like the Cold War is something that's covered in what I would think of as traditionally sort of like men's spy fiction, something like John le Carre or authors like that. And this feels like a feminist twist on those kinds of books, you know, still about spies and these efforts of the CIA to win the Cold War, but in a way that puts women at the forefront. Yeah. Uh, so that is The Secrets We Kept by Lara Prescott. Yeah, I've, I've been excited about that one too. It sounds, it was neat when she uh, picked it as her um, mm-hmm. her book for this month because yeah. it sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, my next book is The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates, and that comes out on September 24th. And it's the adult fiction debut of the author of Between the World and Me. And it's about a young man named Hiram Walker, who was born a slave in Virginia, and he has this remarkable gift of memory. And the exception to that is that he has no memory of his mother, who was sold away from the plantation where he grew up. But as an adult, this gift saves him when he's crossing a bridge that collapses. And as he's drowning, he has visions of his ancestors, including a woman who is water dancing, who he recognizes as his mother. So he survives and he vows to escape slavery, which leads him to an underground network committed to freeing slaves. But he quickly learns that his place in this movement comes with its own sacrifices. And it sounds like a great read-alike for the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. And mm-hmm. I also want to find out what water dancing is. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know either. I think it sounds really cool. Um, and that's The Water Dancer by Tony Hesey Coates. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one too. There were so many coming out this fall that I'm looking forward to. I know. We could have, I, I think, I, I know I could have switched out every single book for something mm-hmm. else. Me um, too. I think that's Me probably too. true for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my next one is Royal Holiday by Jasmine Guillory. And Jasmine yes. Guillory is somebody who co- sort of has burst onto the scene in the last year and a half, two years. So yeah. I don't think we talked about her in our prior incarnation no. of the podcast because her first book, The Wedding Date, I think was just in 2018, right? I, is that right? Is that possible? Or late 2017. Okay, like, yeah. 80. So anyway, she writes contemporary romances. And this is the fourth in this loosely connected series. So this is a very common thing in romance where you have characters who play minor roles in one book who then take like the lead role in a later book. So it's a series in the sense that it's the same world, but you certainly don't have to read them in that order because really the central character or central characters are all that matters in each book, even though the side characters play a role, like it doesn't, it doesn't break it to read it out of order. So like I said, this is the fourth one she's written. One thing I love about her writing is that they're really funny, first of all, but she, her characters face real obstacles. It doesn't feel manufactured at all. Like whatever they're facing, it's because they are people in the world. It is not because they just aren't talking to each other, which mm-hmm. is a pet peeve of mine in romance novels, yes. where it's like if they just sat down and had a real conversation, the book would be three pages long. Right. Um, and that doesn't happen in these. So in the other reason I'm super excited about this book is because it's about a woman in her 50s, which is not something you see very often nope. in romance at all, let alone contemporary romance, let alone a woman of color in her 50s finding romance. So this book has all of those elements. And the main character is the mother of the main character from the previous book, The Wedding Party, which just came out a few months ago. The daughter, who is the previous main character, is a stylist and invites her mom to join her on a trip to England for Christmas because she is styling a duchess. Uh, And so she thinks it's a fun opportunity for her mom, who's a single mom. Very, They're very close. They have this very close mother-daughter relationship. So it's a chance for her mom to get away, have a kind of glamorous Christmas. And when she's there, she meets the queen's private secretary, Malcolm. And they immediately hit it off. And they spend all this time together and really get along. But they think it's kind of just a fun fling to have while she's in England because she's about to go back to the U.S. And then obviously it turns into something a little bit more than either of them were expecting. So that is Royal. I think it's just Royal Holiday. I don't think it's the Royal Holiday. Right. 
by Jasmine Guillory, uh, October 1st. I think I'm so excited for that one. (laughs) I know, it's so good. I just read The Wedding Party like two weeks ago. Oh, nice. Sometimes I think about things that happened in the two years since uh, we recorded, (laughs) and I feel like it's like like we were so stupid two years ago for not knowing (laughs) about these things. I know, we didn't know Jasmine Guillory existed. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) So up next is Violet by Scott Thomas, and that comes out on September 24th, and it has one of the creepiest covers of the season, so I'll probably try to find a way to post that. Um, It takes place in the summer of 1988, or starts out in the summer of 1988, when a 10-year-old girl named Chris Barlow is grappling with the death of her mother at the family summer home in a town called Lost Lake. And then 30 years later, she is again mourning the death of a loved one, but this time it's her husband who has died from a car accident. And she decides, she's moved away from Lost Lake, and she decides that she's going to go back there with her 8-year-old daughter because that's the place that she identifies with grief. And it feels right to her to come to terms with this loss in the same place that she came to terms with her mother's death. But someone has been waiting for Chris for these 30 past years, and it's someone that she left behind. It's her imaginary friend, Violet, and she is not happy. So, dun dun dun. That sounds Um, so creepy. When the publisher presented this to us at work, we just went nuts because we're all a little horror obsessed in our our office, um, kind of under the influence of one particular person who has... Uh, roped the rest of the, roped the rest of us into it, which has been really fun. Um, so the cover and the description just completely fits with everything that we love. The hijinks that have followed since this book was was presented to us has been extremely intense. We have had dolls hidden in desk drawers that oh, have um, mysteriously appeared overnight. Um, I wrote a very increasingly ominous note with my left hand and left it on someone's desk. Oh gosh. And there have been lots of one-sided conversations that are meant to be heard by your cube neighbor that make it sound like you're talking to your imaginary friend. So this is the kind of thing that occupies us during the day. So That sounds super fun. It's very fun. Um, so by the time this book comes out, it's, it will almost be a release for all of us to finally read it since we've all been obsessed with it for several months at this point. But that is called Violet by Scott Thomas. That cover is very creepy. Yeah. I would just like to add. All right. My next one is The Fountains of Silence by Ruta Do you know how to say her last name? Sepetis? I've looked it up so many times, but every time I can't remember. So. All right. I'm going to go with Sepetis. I'm so sorry if that's not correct. My guess is it's not, but I don't know really how else to say it. Uh, and it comes out October 1st. And she writes really, really good historical fiction geared at a teen audience. Uh, she wrote Between Shades of Grey and Salt to the Sea and one more that's, the name is Escape, Out of the Easy, I think it was called. Yes. All of which I read and all of which are fabulous. They're all about very difficult topics. She doesn't shy away from something heart-wrenching, even though it's for you know, a teen audience or a younger audience, but there's so much humanity to her stories that it feels like it's not inappropriate to offer this to a teenager. Uh, and But yet, obviously, adults can get something out of it as well. Uh, this one is about Spain under Franco's rule. It starts in 1957, and Daniel is an 18-year-old aspiring photographer and he visits Spain with his mother who is Spanish and his oil tycoon father he is who uh, is from Texas they live in Texas and when he's there he meets a hotel maid Anna and is drawn into her world it 
the thing is, I don't know much more about it than that, but I'm willing to go along for the ride because I think that what she does so well is even though you feel like she she has this ability to make you feel the fear and the tension and the hardships that these people go through, but also the hope that sustains them and the love, like the way they are still able to form relationships. Like you still, you're still living your life. You still have people that you care about and things like that, even when you are living in an oppressive regime, you know? So I think that that's why they're, they're not the easiest reads. Like you have to be in the right frame of mind to read them because they are a bit emotionally wrenching, but there's always that thread of hope in them. So that is the fountains of silence by Ruta Cepetis. I think the only one of hers that I, I, I've checked them out. I think all of them at different points, but have only actually managed to read uh, salt to the sea mm-hmm. and it has some of the most i don't want to say upsetting because that makes it sound like it's a bad thing mm-hmm. um um elements to a book that i think i've ever read but she really doesn't shy away from Mm-mm. difficult things and mm-hmm. but but makes it worth worth your while yeah. it's, it's not just yeah. there to be graphic or to it doesn't feel manufactured yeah. um, emotion at all. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel gratuitous. It's not like she's just doing it to be, I don't know, just because she can. Yeah. Like she has a reason and and a method. And I don't know. I think she's really talented. Yeah. And I, I hope that people are reading her beyond just the audience that it's marketed to because I think that people could get a lot of the, out of those books. Yeah, for sure. My next book is The Library of the Unwritten by A.J. Hacklett. And it comes out on October 1st. It's the first book in a new series called A Novel from Hell's Library, which if you want librarians to jump on your book, consider that as your name. (laughs) It's um, about a woman named Claire who is the head librarian in the unwritten wing of hell. And that is a neutral space where stories unfinished by their authors are kept. She does the typical librarian tasks, but she also has to keep watch that the stories in her section don't get restless and manifest themselves as characters in search of an ending. So if this happens, she and her assistants, Brevity and Leto, must capture the must capture the character and put them back where they belong. So this happens once, and they expect this to be a simple retrieval, but instead they're attacked by the angel Romeo, who believes that they have the Devil's Bible, which has the power to control heaven and hell. And Claire and her assistants must find this missing book before a war between heaven and hell breaks out. And that can destroy Earth in the process. So uh, one review described this as an ode to books and to found families, which sounds really lovely to me. And it just kind of hits all the spots of book lovers, I think, um, Mm -hmm. with a little bit of subversion along with it. So that is The Library of the Unwritten by A.J. Hackworth. Yeah, I almost put that one on my list. Yeah. It sounds maybe slightly too dark for me, but I I think I would be open to reading it. Yeah, the, the blurbs kind of made it sound funny-ish mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. yeah I'm not sure because because sometimes things like that can bother me a little bit but but everything I read all the all the reviews and all the uh, publisher provided information kind of felt more lighthearted than mm-hmm. than po- it possibly could yeah. be so yeah. so we'll see I'm, I'm excited okay. about it you read it first and you tell okay. me okay <laughs> my next one is Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts by Kate Raculia. Yes. I think that's how you say her last name. I'm just really having trouble today. And you know what? I should look these up ahead of time, but (laughs) most likely I'm not going to look up how to pronounce an author's last name. So sorry about that. They can fight you. Yeah. Oh, and uh, they could fire me, I guess. (laughs) 
powers of E. So I'm sorry. No, I'm not meaning to be flippant. I'm very sorry. I don't know. I don't know how to say your last name. Uh, But we're going to go with Verculia. And it's this comes out on October 8th. And when I read the description of this book, I seriously felt like it was quite possible that it was written specifically with me in mind because it sounds like a grown-up version of The Westing Game, which was my absolute favorite book as a child. And I reread it so many times. (laughs) And I was reading the description of this like, this just sounds like my dream right here. I mean, not my dream, my dream to read, not my dream to like be in it. So it is about an eccentric billionaire who dies and he leaves a bunch of clues for people to go on an elaborate scavenger hunt and whoever wins gets a piece of his fortune. Tuesday, the main character is kind of an outcast. She's a loner, but she's also really, really smart and she can research the heck out of anything. And so this is sort of the prime thing for her because she knows how to find information, which as a librarian, that's very appealing to have a main character like that. Um, and she and team, her teammates race around Boston to find this treasure. And it just sounds so fun and exciting and maybe a little bit suspenseful. And it sounds like in, all the descriptions describe it as charming and witty. And so I just think it's going to be a super fun book. And that is Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts by Kate Raculia. It has a really fun cover too, I think. Yes. And I'm just so excited. It sounds so good. Yeah. Uh, my next book is How We Fight for Our Lives by Saeed Jones, and that comes out on October 8th. And this is one I've actually read already, um, and it's really stuck with me, even though I read it probably three months ago at this point. Oh, wow. Um, so it's it's been really great to start to see it on a lot of best of fall lists. So mm-hmm. hopefully this will get a lot of attention when it actually comes out uh, in about a month. It's a short memoir, and it's by an award-winning poet. And you can really see that pedigree in the writing because it's it's kind of spare in certain ways, but it's it's just he knows exactly how to use every word that he that he chooses. So he grew up in Texas and he knew early on that he was gay and that as a gay black man that he would on two fronts be seen as a danger to his community. So he ends up going to college in Kentucky. He has dreams of going to New York City for, for college and that doesn't work out um, because of financial reasons, but he finds a community in Kentucky, but he never really feels at ease with himself because of, of the secret that he's carrying. And so he begins to use his body as a weapon because he feels like if he's going to be rejected for who he is, he will use those same identities to take down the men who target him. So this leads to years of degrading casual sex. And if that is something you're uncomfortable reading, then this may not be the book for you because it's very graphic. But unsurprisingly, he doesn't find happiness or fulfillment this way, ends up finding both of those when he turns back to writing and to his mother, that he was the mother that raised him, and that helps him to find who he truly is. And it has a blindingly glowing blur by Roxanne Gay. And so I think that this book will be everywhere once it comes out. I, I think that it's just bound for greatness. And that is How We Fight for Our Lives by Saeed Jones. Yeah, I've seen a lot about this book. I think it's going to be like one of the biggest books of yeah. the fall. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a, a program at work where we, we write book reviews and then those books go out as, as advanced copies to various libraries. And so this is the one that I randomly picked. And then it's fun to see one that, I, that like you don't know when you do that program, whether you're reading something that will ever get any attention or not. Mm-hmm. And so it's been cool to see this one get some attention. Uh, My next one is Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. It comes out October 29th. 
I've only read one other book by Kevin Wilson, but he writes these quirky family dramas. The one I've read is The Family Fang, uh, which some people may be familiar with either from having read it or watched the movie that they made of it. But this one is about a woman who is asked by her high school best friend to come take care of her stepchildren as their nanny. And it seems like they're pretty typical kids, but they spontaneously burst into flames when they get really upset. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's sort of like a trademark of his writing, I think, where he takes pretty mundane topics, but puts a bizarre twist on them that is a metaphor for real life. So, you know, children, when they get upset about things, it's like the end of the world. Like they just explode. They're so upset. And so he is taking that to the extreme and saying they actually burst into flames. Um, Everything I've read about it, it's really talking about like the feelings of parenthood and and caring for children more than focusing on this spontaneous combustion aspect of it. So it sounds um, like it's both heartfelt, but also delightfully odd. And despite the zaniness of the characters or their situations, the stories seem to ring true about relationships and love and, and caretaking of children. So that is Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. Yeah, that one looks really, really good. Um, up next is Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, and that comes out on October 8th. This is the adult debut of one of the most popular YA authors out there. Um, if you're not familiar with her or um, her name doesn't sound familiar, she wrote the Shadow and Bone trilogy, which is the start of the Grishaverse series of books. So she has, she kind of writes, everything is in the same Russian-esque fantasy world, but they sort of have little contained stories within the series. So there's a trilogy and then I think a duology and then she started something else again, but they all they all are linked together basically. And they're very addictive. The the world is just really lush and gorgeous. And so I read I don't think I've finished the first trilogy yet, but I've read a couple of her books. And the thing that keeps me coming back are these is this world because it's it's just so beautiful. So this is another fantasy novel. She's she's sticking with that, but it's set in it's not in the Grishaverse, it's in our world. Um, and it's about a young woman named Alex Stern who was raised in LA by a hippie mom and she dropped out of high school to hang out with a druggy boyfriend and she's held this series of dead-end jobs. Just doesn't have a lot going on for her life um, or to show for her life at this point in, uh, at the beginning of the story. I think she's 20 when the story starts. And so then she becomes the sole survivor of a horrific unsolved murder where multiple people die and she wakes up in the hospital to a stranger who offers her the chance of a lifetime, which is to attend Yale on a Fulbright scholarship. So the only catch is that she is tasked to monitor the famous eight secret societies of Yale, and they're known to cater to the the top echelons of society. They're the people who control everything in the United States, from Hollywood to Wall Street to the presidency, and they're using real magic to perform unimaginable acts. And I think that this hits so many buttons that appeal to me, because it's a college campus story, and it's secret societies, and it's very rich people behaving badly, and all of those are my favorites. So I'm really looking forward to this. And that is Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. I'm so excited for that one too. My next one is Ordinary Girls by Jakira Diaz. It comes out October 29th. And it's a memoir of a girl who was born in Puerto Rico and has a schizophrenic mother and a drug dealer father. And after a few years, they move to Miami Beach for better opportunities, but it seems like that doesn't improve her life very much. She refers to herself as a juvenile delinquent, 
and a closeted queer girl in a homophobic place. She is sexually assaulted and she gets married at age 17. So she lives a lot of life in a very short period of time. But then at age 18, she enlists in the Navy and she attributes turning her life around to that event. So obviously this is going to be a difficult book. There's a lot of subject matter there that is going to be sensitive and difficult for people to read. But it reminds me of books like Educated or The Glass Castle. I feel like this this is an area where people in book clubs or just the, the general reading public are fascinated by memoirs of people growing up in these hugely dysfunctional families. But um, this is about a person of color, which I don't think we often have seen um, catch the the reading public's attention. Um, so I'm really hopeful that this one has a kind of success that a book like Educated did last year or the year before, because I think that it's a story that deserves to be told just as much as anybody else's. So uh, that is Ordinary Girls by Jakira Diaz. It's interesting, too. Like, Educated, I think, is still... It might not be number one as of last week, but maybe on the New York Times list. And then also where the crawdads sing is mm-hmm. is also consistently at the top. And it's interesting that one is fiction and one is nonfiction, but they're both stories about really terrible youth uh, experiences yeah. and, and how to grow up and coming of age when you have nothing going right for you. So there's something that really appeals to that with with people right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is sort of an appetite for that. And I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, I, was, I read Educated was just as fascinated as everybody else. We read it in my book club. And I think we had we talked about the book probably. Well, that's probably not true. But I was going to say the most we've ever talked about a book. Our book club tends to, to go off topic um, and talk about life just as much as we talk about books. But it was just such a such a fascinated story. It was like you couldn't couldn't tear your eyes away from it or for me I've listened to it I couldn't tear my ears away from it so there's clearly like there's a hunger there for for these stories and again I think that this is a story that while similar to maybe some other things that have been published is from a perspective that we haven't always seen before allowed in the publishing space so I hope it gets some attention definitely my next book is White Elephant by Trish uh, Haruto, which I think is how you pronounce your last name. Unlike Hallie, I looked it up, but I couldn't find the pronunciation. So uh, that's what I am guessing. And that comes out on October 29th. And this has been on my radar for such a long time that I can't believe that it's finally here. I don't know if, I don't know how I found it, but I've, I've had it on a list somewhere. And I just kept thinking that they were changing the publishing date because it kept not coming out. And so finally it's coming out. So white elephant gift exchanges are pretty ubiquitous at holiday parties. Um, They're usually known for being tacky and funny and everyone gives something that they want to get a reaction from um, every, the other guests at the party. Like they want to make a comedy statement basically with a white elephant gift, but at the real estate firm owned by Henry and Claudine Calhoun in Aspen, Colorado, the the goal instead is to bring the best gift. So you want to do something really expensive Um, something that will be stolen the most times and um, something that will kind of show how well you did as a real estate person that year, um, basically Mm. as a sign of success. So the staff is already competing with each other to gain commissions. So they, they want to show this kind of prestige through these gifts. So everyone is surprised when they, uh, when one of the gifts is opened and it's this ugly statue of a cowboy. And most guests think that it's surprising because it's so out of character for the type of the gift expected at this party 
but for Henry and Claudine, the surprise comes from the fact that Henry once used the statue to commit murder years ago, and that Claudine helped to cover it up. So even worse, a snowstorm has trapped everyone at the office, so not only can no one leave, but the police can't come to stop whatever is going to happen. And something is definitely going to happen at this party. So the book describes itself as Clue meets Big Little Lies. And I am completely here for both of those things. So that sounds amazing. Doesn't it sound great? So yes. that is White Elephant by Trish Hart. I'm adding it to my Goodreads to read list. Good, right good, now. good. My next one is Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. It comes out November 5th and it is a contemporary romance. And the main character, Chloe Brown, has a chronic illness and lives a pretty confined life because of it. Self-imposed confined life, I would say, from what I understand. And she is on her daily walk, which is a routine that she has, when one day she almost gets hit by a car. And it causes her to have this realization that her life has shrunk so much uh, more than she intended it to. So after this wake-up call of her near-death experience, she decides to shake things up and have some adventures. And there's a very attractive super in her building who is only too happy to help her out, but he he also has some trauma in his past that he's getting over. And he was, this is kind of an interesting twist, I would say, in that it is a, he is somebody who was in an abusive relationship you don't often see that where the man is the one who's an abuse survivor in a former romantic relationship. Often it's the woman. So he has to overcome some of that trauma. She is trying to figure out her life as far as what she wants out of it, dealing with this chronic illness. And together they recover and they grow, but they're also sharing a bunch of funny shenanigans and adventures that they're having that she is having had this experience she wants to open her life to. So it just sounds completely delightful. It sounds fun, but it also sounds like maybe it has a little bit of heft to it, um, which is if you have been listening at all to this podcast, you know, is a combination I absolutely love. Uh, That is Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. Yeah, it looks really, really fun. Uh, My last book is The Witches Are Coming by Lindy West, and it's out on November 5th. So Lindy West is very famous. She's the author of Shrill, and that is both a popular book and a popular series on Hulu. And Mm -hmm. her new book confronts the common lament that feminism has gone too far in the past few years. So she looks at all facets of American culture to highlight the ways that mediocre white men have been able to keep a stranglehold on basically everything from workplace dynamics to entertainment to politics through dangerous lies that have been believed for generations by both men and women. So in the wake of the Me Too movement, when women have been blasted for for calling out the despicable behavior of men, Lindy West takes the complaint that women are on a witch hunt and responds, so be it, I'm a witch and I'm hunting you. (laughs) I think that like many women, um, this topic is something that most of us think about a lot. (laughs) And um, I have dealt with personally a good amount in my professional life and in my personal life. And um, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm feeling very witchy right now. So that is The Witches Are Coming by Lindy West. So my last one is The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern. (gasps) Comes out November 5th. This isn't just the book that I'm excited about for the fall. This is the book that I have been (laughs) excited about for years and anticipating before I even knew it existed. And that is because Aaron Morgenstern wrote The Night Circus, which is one of my favorite books that I have read ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever. I've read it more than once. I love it. It is 
just exactly my cup of tea as far as fantasy goes. Really, I could just end this description right there because all I needed to know was that Aaron Morgenstern was coming out with a new book. And I was like, I'm in. Uh, I'll read that. Yeah. But if you need some plot details, dear listeners, uh, this is what we know. It's about a boy named or a young man named Zachary. He's a grad student. And one day he discovers a mysterious book that has some some oddities to it. But most oddly, it includes a story from his own childhood. So as he's unraveling the details of the book and where it came from and, and what it all means, he finds a secret underground library. And in this library is a doorway to another world. And so he is drawn into this new world. And from what I understand, it's all about being in this new world helps him discover who he truly is, what his destiny is. It's an adventure. It's magical. And I trust her completely to create an immersive world that I'm just going to want to spend a couple of days in. That is called The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern. Yeah, that's one everyone is. Ex- well, I guess I know a few people who are not, but they're crazy talk. <laughs> It's <laughs> that is crazy. Like yeah. All right. So we will be right back with what we're reading this week. All right, Anne, what are you reading this week? Um, so I just finished a book called The Summer List by Amy Mason Dome. And this is a new to me author. I I think I have a couple of her books scattered around my apartment, but I think I started this maybe the last couple of days of August, I want to say. And I love reading seasonally. I've been really excited about fall, but I had to start something that that was summery just with those last couple of days. So um, I just did a random search on my Kindle for summer and this is what came up. And so this is what I picked. So um, it's a parallel, parallel narrative book, which in this case, it's where something terrible has happened. And then it flips back and forth between the past and the present until you learn what caused the situation that these characters are in. And that's one of my favorite narrative devices where you're just sort of leading into the secret or, or whatever it happens to be in, in uh, whatever book. Laura is the main character and she is a successful graphic designer in San Francisco. And she gets a surprise letter from her childhood best friend that she hasn't spoken to since the summer after their high school graduation. And in the letter, she's asked to come back to their small lakeside hometown for a weekend so they can patch things up between them after 17 years. So she reluctantly shows up and she soon realizes that the reunion wasn't what she was presented in the letter. Casey uh, is the name of her friend. And she also received a letter from Laura that Laura never sent. So they realize that Casey's mom, Alex, has orchestrated this whole thing and that she has set up a scavenger hunt like the ones that she used to make for them during their high school summers. Um, And that was kind of the big event of the summer were these Saturday night scavenger hunts that Alex would put together um, and invite all of the kids from high school to to participate. But in this case, it's meant to, to revisit all the places that made Alex or sorry, that made Laura and Casey's friendship so special. So in flashbacks, we see how Laura and Casey met and the events that bonded them together as teenagers from Casey's coming out to Laura's difficult relationship with her adopted parents. And each place on the scavenger hunt has bittersweet memories attached to it as they sort of are mourning the loss of this friendship that they that was once such a a huge, important part of their lives. They revisit the circumstances that drove them apart. So what Laura and Casey don't know is that Alex has put this whole reunion together Um, for a bigger reason than just mending fences. And there's a third narrative line going through the book that sort of ties everything together at the end. I think what I enjoyed the most about this was that the characters are exactly my age. 
So all of the high school flashbacks felt very true to life to my own teenage experiences. Um, and there are a lot of references to 90s music and fashion, which usually I'm not very nostalgic at all for the 90s. In fact, mm-hmm. I typically glow with all things 90s. So uh, it sort of surprised me that this resonated so much with me, but it really back, brought back a lot of memories and feelings of that time. Um, in particular, there are a lot of references to the song by Mazzy Star, Fade Into You. Oh, and yeah. that's just slightly pre-high school for me, but it was huge the summer that my family got cable. So I was watching a lot of MTV and just hearing that song instantly took me back to the feeling of growing up in Arizona and, and, and that sort of freedom that, that having a summer to yourself can bring. So it really does a great job of capturing those feelings of teenage friendships and of high school crushes and that lazy freedom that I was talking about of, of summer when you're still in school. And I always am telling my nieces and nephews that that is literally the greatest feeling in the world and that they will never get mm-hmm. it again. So they need to appreciate that now. So it, it was, I, I love a book that can, that can take you back in that kind of way. So this book has compelling secrets and it has a gorgeous setting and it isn't really overly light in tone, which I appreciated. Um, I think I was actually kind of looking for something a little bit lighter, but I enjoyed this. So I wasn't sorry at all that I picked it up. And that is called The Summer List by Amy Mason Doan. That sounds really good. I don't know that I know about that book. Yeah, so that I really good. was surprised that I had it, but at yeah. some point I downloaded it. Uh, all right. So mine is uh, The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. And Ooh. I had actually originally had it on my list to talk about as one of the books I was looking forward to, but then I couldn't resist and I started it yesterday. <laughs> so instead, I am going to talk about it as what I'm reading right now. Uh, so I love Ann Patchett. Just full disclosure, I will read anything she ever writes. I have loved everything she has ever written. I met her one time at a conference and we bonded over both loving Bowdoin dresses. So she is just forever. She owns a bookstore. Like what more What more could you want out of a, a person? Yeah. Like I said, I started reading this yesterday. She writes books about relationships, I would say, about people, families, siblings, parent relationships, like inner these interpersonal dynamics of families. Uh, And this one is about a brother and a sister, Danny and Maeve, who grew up in this enormous house. Their father was a real estate magnate who went from being very poor, having no money, to making a bunch of money in real estate, to maybe not having so much at the end of his life. But he, he bought this enormous house called the Dutch House. Danny and Maeve's mother is this free spirited kind of artist woman and he basically bought the house for her. She hated the house. Oh, no. But she, it wasn't her thing. Like, she felt uncomfortable there is what you learn. She ends up leaving the family when the kids are still relatively young. And Maeve is, like, seven or eight years older than Danny. So she ends up taking care of him uh, or being, like, the caretaker in, during their childhood. But when Maeve is maybe about 17, he meets a new woman who... Uh, he marries, who is pretty horrid, and who, when he passes away, basically kicks them out of the house, says it's hers now. It's apparent that all she ever really cared about was the house, that she didn't really care about them. She didn't care about their father and kicks them out of the house. The whole book is basically how living in the house, being kicked out of the house, the loss of their father when he passed away. And this dynamic between them of May of their mother having left when they were young, of Maeve taking care of Danny, how that plays out throughout the rest of their lives. And there are flashbacks to t- scenes from when they're younger and, you know, throughout them growing up, 
but then also in kind of the present day of their lives. And so you get to see what impact that house had on them, on their relationships with others, with themselves, how it defined what they did with their lives as far as their career and that sort of thing. And so I would say that Ann Patchett is just, she's incredibly astute at teasing out the connections people have to each other. And she's she's got such an ear for dialogue and kind of the way people talk to each other, the way they communicate, the way they um, act around each other. I don't know how, how else to say it, but this is all evident in this book. So that's called The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. It doesn't come out until September 24th. I'm reading an advanced copy of it, but by the time this episode is posted, it, you'll just be about a little over a week away from being able to get it. That makes me want to pick it up right now because I also have it, but I hadn't oh, gotten to it. Yeah. Yeah, I had picked up like, so as I mentioned, I'm, I'm taking this kind of mini vacation, although working remotely part of the week, so not a total vacation. Um, and so yesterday I had taken a vacation day and was sitting by the pool and thinking, this is my, my vacation day, like I want to I wanna make it worthwhile. And so I'd actually picked up a couple of different books and started reading them and nothing was really capturing my attention. And so I set them aside thinking I will get back to them because they were good. They just weren't the book that I wanted to sit and spend two or three hours reading at, in the afternoon. And so went with tried and true Ann Patchett because yeah. I just knew she wouldn't let me down. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I did. I'm glad. And now I'm, you know, just have a, I read so, a little bit more today. And so I just just have a little bit left to finish. But it's been it's really good. All right, so let's go back and list off all the books we talked about today. You want to go first? Yeah. So I talked about The Glass Woman by Caroline Lee, The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates, Violet by Scott Thomas, The Library of the Unwritten by A.J. Hackwith, How We Fight for Our Lives by Saeed Jones, Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, White Elephant by Trish Harnito, The Witches Are Coming by Lindy West, and what I'm reading this week is The Summer List by Amy Mason Dome. And I talked about The Secrets We Kept by Laura Prescott, Royal Holiday by Jasmine Guillory, The Fountains of Silence by Ruta Cepetis, Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts by Kate Raculia, Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, Ordinary Girls by Jakira Diaz, Get a Life Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert, and The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern. And what I was reading this week is The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. So thank you again, Anne, for another wonderful fall book preview. I now want to read all of the books you talked about. I know. I love, I love book pre- preview episodes so much. I know. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. Find us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. It helps people find the show. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this episode. Thank you all for listening and happy reading. Happy reading.